can you all hear me? So are you all sitting there noting, waiting, waiting? So again, as a, in an effort to just plant seeds or water seeds or pull weeds in our intuitive awareness, I invite us all just to start meditating. Just to let my words drop into intuitive awareness. So I'm going to talk a little about mindfulness of thoughts. Mindfulness of thoughts. We know that mindfulness of thoughts and emotions is the third foundation of mindfulness, the third satipatthana. I think it's citta vipassana, mindfulness of mind. And actually thinking is a very natural thing. Thoughts are to the mind what saliva is to the mouth. So to be mad at yourself for thinking or think that it's wrong during meditation would be like telling your mouth not to salivate. It's a really natural thing. The question is, how do we hold thoughts as meditation objects? One way to think of it is turning what we think are obstacles into (coughs) objects. Obstacles of meditation into objects of meditation. So when we have It's not uncommon just for thoughts to arise while we're sitting. And if our mindfulness is strong enough, we might even catch the beginning of a thought. We might feel the, a little energetic, little energetic buzz that a thought is on its way. Many times we will catch a thought in the middle of it. And then, with our mindfulness, just label thinking, thinking. Sometimes a half a day has passed. And we'll say, oh, I was thinking a lot. 
but the object is to hold this third foundation, thoughts and emotions, in our field of awareness, in our field of mindfulness. Usually when we can see that we're thinking, and I will always use a soft mental note of, oh, thinking, thinking. It usually will dissipate or just dissolve. If it doesn't dissolve, one way to skillfully deal with it is to do a little bit more investigation. Oftentimes there might be an emotion underneath thought patterns. Like maybe you're planning a lot of what you're going to do when you get home. And maybe there's worry underneath that. Oh, worry, worry. Or maybe if you can't stop thinking about something, maybe some event in the past, there is an emotion or two underneath it. Maybe you're thinking about some event that you are involved with. And you know that it's fueled by anger, the thoughts are fueled by anger. But it just won't, even though you, you know, note thinking, thinking, and anger, anger, and just open to that sensation of anger, it just won't seem to clear, there's no more insight. In that case, there is often another emotion underneath there. So in addition to anger, maybe there's embarrassment, or maybe there's shame, or maybe there is feelings of pride or something else. So the fourth foundation of mindfulness, as we all know, one of the first things that we are directed to pay attention to is if there are any of the five hindrances in the mind. And the five hindrances are Two, two sets of opposite qualities. One would be desire and its opposite is aversion. So we're wanting something to happen that's not happening. We want calmness, we want stillness. Or we're having aversion to something that is happening. You know, we can't stop thinking, we're restless, we're very sleepy. We have aversion. 
And then the two other opposites are sleepiness and lethargy, sloth and torpor, and restlessness and worry. So when you're having this, these, these are not... Um, this is a way to think about them of turning obstacles into objects. You know, the Buddha had these. This is what he saw when he did his practice. He said, this is what you're going to see. Actually, when I'm struggling on the cushion or walking meditation, I do a little hindrance checklist. Is there one of the hindrances here? And of course, when we notice that we're having it, we want to check the attitude of mind. How is, once we realize we're having it, do we have aversion to the aversion? And all we need to do is be aware of it. We don't need to do anything else. All we need to do is to know that that is what's happening at this moment. That's all we need to do. Just knowing what is happening at this moment. What is being known right now. In this way we let our mindfulness understand the feeling of it. And then wisdom does the work. We don't need to do anything. And then the fifth hindrance is the hindrance of doubt. And this is usually doubt in the practice. Does this really work? How come I'm not having this experience or that experience? Or maybe doubt in one's own ability. Am I doing this right? Is this how I'm supposed to do this? Or maybe doubt in the four of us. Do they know what they're talking about? Why are they saying this or that? So mindfulness of thought and mindfulness of hindrances, parts of the third and fourth foundation of mindfulness. These are our instructions. This is normal. This is what will happen. Just surrender. It's a lawful unfolding. All we need to do is watch it happening. Let mindfulness extract the data that will water our wisdom. (coughs) 
thoughts are to the mind, what saliva is to the mouth. In addition to thoughts, there is mental states. And this is like a flavoring in the mind. Maybe it's irritation. Everything we look at just is irritable. Or we have a criticism about everything. Maybe it's excitement. Everything we look at, we just want more of. Maybe it's sadness. Everything we look at reminds us of our loneliness. Maybe it's faith and confidence. Everything we look at makes us grateful, gives us awe of this process. It's important to see the positive qualities too. Is there awe in the mind? A-W-E, just an appreciation for just how deep this practice is. Gratitude for the opportunity to practice together. So one instruction is that we start with an anchor. We might start a meditation sitting, particularly sitting with our anchor. And our anchor might be the sensation of the breath at the abdomen or at the nostril. or some other easy to connect with sensation in the body. And we stay with that anchor until our mindfulness has gotten a little stability, a little strength. And then we open up our, our field and rest in spacious awareness. Just rest and spaciousness, and then let mindfulness pick the object. Mindfulness will go to the next predominant sensation or thought or emotion. 
or hindrance or factor of enlightenment. And wisdom will discern what it is. So with stability we open up and let mindfulness choose choiceless awareness. And then when we get a little spacey or start drifting away, when our clarity gets weaker, we come back to our anchor to develop some stability. And the meditation could be said to be going between those two, connecting to our anchor, collecting energy to strengthen the, the clarity or mindfulness, opening it up to awareness of whatever is most predominant and seeing the nature of that thing as an object in the heart-mind. And then when we get spacey, come back to the anchor again for stability. Thoughts, not wanting thoughts would be like not wanting to hear or thinking that it's wrong to hear in the hall. It's just what the mind does. Hearing is just what the ears do. Let's relax. Another anchor could be body scan in Goenkaji's tradition. Body scan and then open it up to choiceless awareness. So let's just sit together.
thoughts can be very quiet. Sometimes we don't even know they're there. Thoughts underneath an emotional experience. So we might investigate what is this experience? Resting in spacious awareness.
it's important to catch the motivation or intentions of our thoughts. Is this a thought based on investigation or joy or faith or confidence or tranquility? It's important to notice these positive things. We water the seeds of that when we really take it in with our awareness. It's important to know if our thoughts are caused by greed in the mind or aversion in the mind or delusion.
in these last minutes of our meditation, just reconnecting with our intention to be present, to open to this experience right now with some kindness and clarity, watering the seeds of that wholesome intention, mindfulness, Any questions about mindfulness of thoughts? Back there? So the question is about the different instructions of body scan or mindfulness of the body and then opening it up to a more vipassana or insight practice. So there are two pretty distinct practices here, but you know they absolutely go together. And in fact, I think that stability of mindfulness is based on some level of samadhi or concentration. So first we start with some uh, samadhi or just stability practice. I think concentration is, the, is kind of a weird translation for me anyway. It's like a stability practice, right? So we start with that and we usually use uh, a stable anchor for that. So we, you know, uh, Mahasi Sayadaw, who was, you know, considered to be the person who brought mindfulness to the masses, thought that it was just the sensation, the, f- the bare sensation of the rising and falling of the abdomen. And using a soft mental note, he was really into note, noting, and I love noting, I l- use noting a lot, like just stretching, pulling, or even counting, if you're really spaced out, counting really works for me. I've used counting on like three months retreats a month and a half in. If I can't get there, I'll start counting. You know, it's not a bad thing. And then uh, 
And body scan is a, is a uh, practice of concentration as well. It's like staying with that. And um, one form of concentration. And uh, it's, a, it's a gathering our energy. So, you know, we're energy systems. Whenever we have a thought, that's letting in like a little bit of energy go, right? And this collecting, this samadhi practice is collecting the energy, which sharpens the focus. It increases the intensity of the, you know, this um, microscope or this magnifying glass that we have. And so then when we have some stability, we open it up and rest in spacious awareness and mindfulness will go to the object that it wants or the most predominant object will become what is in awareness. And um, does that answer your question or make sense? A little bit? So, you know, you might just notice confusion in the mind and questions in the mind. That might be something or a lack of clarity. Do any of you have another way of saying it that might be more clear? You want to try it? <laughs> I don't know if more clear, but uh, another take on it. I heard a little bit of question, though, like, oh, sh- now we introduced this mindfulness of thoughts, and should you, like, just do that in the way that in the beginning we were like, just be with the breath? And I would say, um, by and large, the answer is no, because it's, it's actually very tiring to try to catch thoughts, and they're very slippery, quick little things, right? Um, so it's helpful, you know, the, the breath um, as part of the body is, like, in some ways more obvious to be with, not always, but um, so it's helpful to stay there and then to notice thinking when it arises. Sometimes the collectedness, the concentration is uh, enough such that we can primarily be uh, identifying thoughts and catching them as they come up. And that's cool if that's possible to do, um, but it's definitely not always that that's possible to do. And in fact, it can be a little frustrating if you're trying to make thought your anchor object. So in general, I'd say not make thought the sort of main anchor object. Um, And then this thing Bonnie was suggesting with more openness is just, yeah, being open. And then sometimes it's a sound, sometimes it's a thought, sometimes it's a body sensation. Um, So related to that, in the beginning, I had talked about, you know, the six sense doors that are there. And actually, when you're sitting, if your eyes are closed, you're not seeing. So now you're down to five. And then usually you're not actually tasting or smelling too much after you get into the room. So now you're down to three. So it actually is like multiple choice vipassana, right? So at any given time when you're sitting, like one of three things is happening as far as a sense experience. So a body sensation, a body experience that includes breathing, that includes itches, that includes um, heat in the body, all that stuff. So a body experience, um, the experience of sound, whether it's quote internal or external, and then the experience of thought. So even if you just notice like one of those three things is happening and notice as best you can which of those is happening, um, it can be interesting and helpful. We do what we and we've discussed this quite a lot. Is we are offering a lot of different 
um, practices and choices and options. And I, I remember reading somewhere that there's actually something like 80,000 skillful means mm-hmm. on how to wake up. That if people, scholars that have gone through the suttas and reading all of the different teachings, the Buddha was giving different offerings to different people at different times for different reasons all the time. Different from monastics than lay people. Than so there are a lot of ways to practice. And one of the ways that we can offer to your different, many different minds that are in this room is to kind of, you know, throw out their possibilities and options. So, and then seeing for yourself, you know, oh yeah, this one really works for me. This one makes the most sense to me. This one helps me gain the most clarity and stability and, and wisdom. So, um, we do know that there, there's a lot being offered and then, um, hoping that your, your mind will find one that works for it. Hmm? For now. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So is it a daydream that it's a fantasy? Yeah. Oh my gosh, fantasies. Yeah, I, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I find, it, my, I think that there's more investigation to be done there. That uh, I always like to bring investigation to, you know, actually investigation is one of the things that arises with some um, stability is that investigation arises naturally. And um, I would say with fantasy, we probably are having the fantasy because it's a positive or pleasant hit. There's some like, you know, it's like why we have a passing of romances, right? We're making up stories because the fantasy kind of feels good. It's a very positive it's uh, a little bit of greed in the mind, probably, a little bit of greed. Greed for pleasant sensation and for, um, yeah, so I would say you probably want to take a look at that. And, um, you know, look at if there's greed in the mind, if there's, and boredom too. I mean, I think in response to uh, neutral Vedana, we start making up stories and making our own movies and start thinking about stuff because there's just boredom there. It's like, you know, switching the channel. The other thing I want to say about thoughts too is my one analogy I'm using is think about thoughts, all the different thoughts that we have as, you know, what's in our email inbox. You know, when you think about what's in your email inbox, what proportion of that are actually meaningful or useful emails? <laughs> what is it, like 5%, 10%? Or, uh, you know, another way to think about it is how many of those 
thoughts represent what your core values are and who you, you know, who you really are training this heart and mind to be. So the question is, which ones are you opening and answering and watering and putting seeds on? And which one are you just saying, oh, there's greed, there's delusion, there's hate, there's anger, there's irritation, you know, and just seeing if you can switch them to your spam box. And one other thing that is really uh, good, an email inbox analogy is, you know, certain things that we have marked as junk, right? And in that sense, you could say that we also need to guard our sense doors. Guarding our sense doors is, don't you think it's underrated? It's really underrated. It's excellent to guard your sense doors. Is like, if there's people here that you're attracted to or don't like, you know, just stay away from them. <laughs> <laughs> You know, not in an aversive way, but just guard your sense doors of, you know, I don't necessarily need to, uh, you know, have that drama right now. You know, sometimes the drama is just to have something to do, right? Because we're bored. Just to guard your sense doors and, um, you know, investigate what neutral feeling is like. Do you have any suggestions of dealing with fantasy? Is that okay? What? Maybe one more question before we go to our brilliant walking meditation. So, um, <coughs> do you suggest that we, like, let's say we're doing walking medita- meditation, meditation. <laughs> 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 um, that we try to just stick to the, um, like, one anchor, like it'd be the temperature on the floor or the way the foot feels when it's floating. And then let's say the birds start chirping and then they're kind of distracted. Can you use that as an anchor? At the, not at the same time, but like, I guess I was a little bit confused. Like, do we go back, is it okay to go back and forth? Is that what you guys were referring to earlier? So the question is, during walking meditation, which we're about to do, which is really excellent, significant practice for stabilizing mindfulness and building clarity and the strength of our mindfulness. Uh, what it should be the anchor while we're walking? Should it be the sensation of the feet? Should it be... And then what happens when our attention does get, uh, does get um, shifted where you know, we hear some birds and so our attention goes to the birds? The question is, are we mindful of what's happening? So for me, I like, I start with a a broader focus. So I might start with just a feeling of the body moving, but it's sinking into the feeling, but knowing what you're knowing, like moving, moving, body moving, just feeling it. And then I will zero down as, you know, the time will go on. I will like walk slower and then Actually, even with walking, I'll let my mindfulness pick the, pick the object. I will like focus on like from my feet to my knees or something. 
and see what mindfulness notices the most about that. Sometimes it's like the balance. It'll be the f- sensation of you know, where the intention or where the movement comes from in the legs. And then it'll be the balance at some point. It'll be whatever is most predominant there if my mindfulness is strong. And then when you, know, you hear something and your focus shifts, I'll say, oh, you know, sh- you know shifter, shifter, now hearing, hearing. You know, I'll just make sure that I'm mindful of what's hap- what is being known at that moment. Hearing is being known. Hearing, hearing. And I might note, oh, pleasant, pleasant. Hearing, hearing, pleasant, pleasant. So any other? Um, any other? So it is, uh, so does that answer your question? So I, I actually start more broadly and then as the meditation goes, kind of drill down. What it is is that my mindfulness likes, uh, my mindfulness likes actually, it, it kind of directs where it goes. It like, and actually we were having a discussion about this, about whether it's mindfulness or wisdom that directs where the focus goes. It could be wisdom that directs it too. They think it's wisdom, I think it's mindfulness. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, we are letting go. It's either that or greed, hatred, and delusion or, you know, the positive qualities because we're a couple days in and the seven enlightenment, enlightenment factors are showing up too. And that is a force that is at work with us right now as well too. So just surrender. It's a lawful unfolding. Just surrender to how it's unfolding and, you know, just watch for that you're not over-efforting or you're not under-efforting. That's an important thing to see, too. You're not striving, but you're also not just, oh, I don't care. You know, it's really a balance of effort right there. And then momentum builds, and then it just is all happening by itself. So we are going to walk, and, you know, walking is an incredibly important and beautiful practice. We learn just about this mind-body process, you know, not with conceptual over, just watching, like, what's happening now? What's happening? What's happening? To bring that investigation and inquisitiveness to, what is this? Oh, here you should touch that. You want this one? I just want to mention that um, if people are having a hard time walking, walking isn't always comfortable for everybody, for everybody's body, if we have injuries or aches and pains, that you're welcome to sit for that practice, you're welcome to lie down during that practice period, or do, or do what feels right for your body. Um, but practice. But, but, yeah, keep, keep practicing, thank you. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to mention that. Thank you. I just want to point out, I totally assume that everyone is walking fine. So that was definitely a Vipa loss on my part. And it's wonderful to see that. Like you see like, wow, what a, you know, universalizing my experience. Like that is the experience. And that's one of the things that we're uprooting here is realizing that, you know, it's different. We, we're, you know, we don't really want to do that. So thank you. Good.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.